You're listening to The Simple Truth with Pastor Dion Cordova of Truth Ministries Calvary Chapel. Jesus was pushing the pedal to the metal. He couldn't get to Jerusalem fast enough because he knew that it meant salvation for all of us. You were on his mind. Your salvation, your deliverance on that last march, on that last leg, he pushes the pedal to the metal because you were on his mind. When you think of the universe and all that's in it, you may feel small and insignificant. Well, that's not what Jesus thinks of you. Today, Pastor Dion reminds you that Jesus had you on his mind when he went to Jerusalem. Jesus knew that he was going to have to die as a substitute for your sins, but he didn't hesitate because you are worth it. Pastor Dion goes on to contrast two different responses to Jesus' offer of salvation through grace and faith, revealing that only you decide how you'll respond. Now here's Pastor Dion in the book of Luke chapter 18 with today's edition of The Simple Truth. Well guys, after three and a half years of public ministry, that's what Jesus has been doing up to now. After three and a half years of public ministry, Jesus started making his final march to Jerusalem. He had one last visit for the upcoming, and everybody say the word, the upcoming what? Passover. Everybody said aloud, Passover. So for three and a half years, Jesus has been touching and teaching and ministering to people. And now this is the last trip that he's making to Jerusalem. And it is for the Passover. Say that again. The what? The, the Passover. Now, Passover was a yearly event that reminded the Jews of their deliverance or salvation from death. All right. Back in the Old Testament, when the Jews were slaves in Egypt, God raised up a prophet by the name of Moses to deliver them. And you remember there were several plagues that were used to get the Egyptians to surrender and to let God's people go. Because you can remember Moses standing up there, and I remember Charlton Heston, I, I'm older than I look, and I remember Charlton Heston walking up there and saying, let my people go, right? And, um, and there were various plagues that were used to get the Egyptians to surrender. The Nile uh, River, the water was turned to blood. There were frogs, a plague of lice, a plague of fire, a plague of darkness that covered the entire area. And then there was one final curse that was announced, death for every firstborn. Everybody say, oh. Only those whose doorposts were covered in the blood of the Lamb would be passed over, thus the word, pass over. That plague of death was announced and they said, and, and here's what's going to happen. Every doorway that is covered with blood, the blood of the Lamb, the death angel will pass over and those people won't be harmed. The lamb would die instead of the person that was in the house. You guys got it? 
Well, Jesus came in the New Testament announcing that everyone, that all men, everybody say that, who? All men. Jesus announced that everyone, all men are under a curse called sin and death. And we are all doomed. And in order to be delivered or saved from the slavery and eternal separation from God, we need a substitute. Everybody say that word out loud. We need a what? We need a substitute. And isn't it interesting that John the Baptist introduced Jesus at the very beginning like this, He said, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Everybody say, wow. So Jesus was marching in this passage. He was marching one last time to Jerusalem to be our substitute, to save us. And Jesus told His disciples what was waiting for Him there in Jerusalem. Chapter 18, verse 31, let's read it. Then Jesus took the twelve aside and said to them, Behold, we are going up to Jerusalem. And all things that are written by the prophets concerning the Son of Man will be accomplished. For He will be delivered to the Gentiles and will be mocked and insulted and spit upon. They will scourge Him and kill Him. And on the third day, he will rise again. But they understood none of these things. This saying was hidden from them, and they did not know the things which were spoken. So Jesus is on this last journey to Jerusalem to make it there by Passover, and he's going to be our substitute. Jesus had an appointment with a cross in Jerusalem. But guys, like I've said so many times before, Jesus wasn't dragging his feet. Jesus wasn't fearful or nervous or apprehensive. He wasn't asking if we were really worth it in order to get over there and face that. Not at all. On the contrary, in fact, Jesus was pushing the pedal to the metal. He couldn't get to Jerusalem fast enough. Because he knew that it meant salvation for all of us. You were on his mind. Your salvation, your deliverance, on that last march, on that last leg, he pushes the pedal to the metal because you were on his mind. In fact, look at your neighbor and tell them that. You were on his mind. Now, from this place in chapter 18... There's only 20 more miles to Jerusalem. Everybody say, how many? Only 20 more. Jesus has come down from the north. He has crossed over the desert. He is um, just 20 more miles to Jerusalem. The last city before Jerusalem was a place called, everybody say it out loud, what? Jericho. Now, Jericho was called the city of palm trees. It was an oasis in the desert. Jericho was a high-dollar resort community, kind of like Sandals Resort, you know? All the billboards on the way into Jericho read, Come, have the time of your life. You'll never, ever be the same, right? You guys get it. All the billboards as they're walking into Jericho is showing them this lavish place. 
sunbathing, spas, gourmet restaurants, and entertainment is in Jericho. And only the rich and famous could afford to live there. Well, as Jesus and his disciples were approaching the city, they're still out of the city limits, but as they're approaching the city, one of the residents of this upscale city of Jericho, a rich young ruler, met them. He came out to meet them. See, this man had spent all of his life living by a code. He kept the law. He followed the rules. He was a good person. We might even call him a santito. Look at your neighbor and say that. A santito or a goody two-shoes. This guy. He never took more than 20 items to the 20 or less register. He never drove the closing lane in a road construction zone. You know, I hate that. They tell everybody they're going to close the left lane, but there are people who just want to go cut in front. This guy never did that. He went to church regularly. He paid his tithes. He was a good person. Say it out loud. He was a what? A good person. But... He had a haunting feeling that being good wasn't good enough to get into heaven. So here's this guy from this prestigious and and lavish place like Jericho, and he's been doing really good. In fact, the connotation makes us believe that he's even a priest. And so he's been good all of his life, but he has this haunting feeling. I don't know if being good is good enough to get into heaven. So when he heard Jesus was coming on the outskirts of town, this rich young ruler saddled his Land Rover and went out to meet Jesus. The rich young ruler asked Jesus, is being good good enough? And if not... What must I do to get into heaven? And Jesus explained that we can't earn, buy, or work our way in. I'm going to say it again. Jesus laid it out there and he said, We can't earn, buy, or work our way into heaven. It's impossible. Say it out loud. What? It's impossible. In fact, Jesus said, it's like trying to get a camel through the eye of a needle. Everybody say impossible. In fact, getting into heaven, Jesus explained, is by grace and faith alone. Here's the verse, Ephesians chapter 2. Read it with me. For by grace you are saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. It is not from works so that no one can boast. Grace and faith. This man who had a haunting feeling that being good wasn't good enough, and he found out it isn't. Because Jesus told him, salvation, heaven, is by grace and faith alone. It's God in His grace sent us a Savior. And by faith we must believe and follow Him. When we do, heaven is ours. It's that simple. Look at your neighbor and say, it's that simple. In fact, Acts 16.32 says it like this. Read it with me. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you, everybody, will be saved. Say, let's read it again. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ 
and you will be. It's that easy. Look at your other neighbor and say, it's that easy. So the guy came out, found out that he was all wrong, that salvation and getting into heaven is by grace and faith alone, by God's grace giving a Savior and you believing in that Savior. And after that explanation, Jesus invited the rich young ruler to take the plunge, to believe and follow him. Follow me. Come, leave all that you have, sell it, give all that you have, give the money to the poor, and come follow me. But the man had something weighing him down. He had too much junk in the trunk. He had a big, everybody say it out loud. Oh, Jesus, the man was looking for salvation. He was looking for security of salvation. And Jesus came and said, hey, listen, it's not works. You can't earn it. You can't buy it. You can't ever deserve it. It's by grace and faith alone. God has sent a Savior. Here I am. Believe and follow me. And the man, come and take the plunge. But the man had too much junk in the trunk. A big butt. I would love to follow you, Jesus, but I just got to this stage in my life. I would love to follow you, Jesus, but I like being rich. I would love to follow you, Jesus, but my spouse won't like it. I would love to follow you, Jesus, but my kids are too young, but my friends will ridicule me. But, but, but I'm Catholic. But, 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 everybody said what? But. Don't let your big butt keep you from following Jesus. Look at your neighbor and say, I hope he's not talking about you right now. Just look at him and say, I hope he's not talking about you right now. Now, in the next scene, Luke records a contrast to the rich young ruler. That guy found out what salvation and the security of heaven, where it's at, and he invited the man, but the man had too much junk in the trunk, and wouldn't take the plunge. So now Luke shows us a contrast. As they get closer to Jericho, they come across a blind beggar. All right, so they've been on the outskirts of Jericho. They just crossed the Jordan River. They're in that little valley between Jericho and the Jordan. And that's where the rich young ruler came out to meet him. And now they're a little closer to Jericho and they encounter a blind beggar. Let's read it. Verse 35. Then it happened as he was coming near Jericho that a certain blind man sat on the road begging. And hearing a multitude passing by, he asked what it meant. So they told him that Jesus of Nazareth was passing by. And he cried out saying, read it out loud with me, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Pretty cool. So they're getting closer to Jericho. Now guys, since the area of Samaria was considered unclean, Jews from the north on their way to celebrate Passover in Jerusalem only had one highway. 
So what Jews would do that were practicing godliness and practicing God's word and going to the temple from Galilee, they would cross over from Galilee across the Sea of Galilee, come down the Capolis, come down all the way along the banks of the River Jordan. They would cross over and that's where Jericho is. They would completely avoid that area. You guys got it? All right, so here's what's going on. Jesus has made that trek. He has crossed the river. The rich young ruler came out to meet him. They're getting closer to Jericho now. And it only had one highway. And the highway that led into Jericho is the road Jesus was on. And just before the Jericho city limits was a landmark rest area. Everybody say a rest area. It was a landmark rest area where family caravans traveling to Jerusalem for the holidays and feast days and specifically Passover, where those families could camp and refresh before the 14-mile, 1,600-foot climb. All right? So they would get to Jericho, and outside of Jericho there was a rest area. So they would come to that particular rest area there in Jericho. And guys, the rest area also served as a focus point to direct your heart toward God. Because specific songs or psalms were sung at this particular stop. Psalm 120 through 134 are called Psalms of Ascent meaning psalms to sing as you ascend to Jerusalem. They'd get to that particular point at that rest area, and it was a focal point as they would look over to Jerusalem, the road that they're about to go on. And they would sing particular psalms called psalms of ascent. Say it out loud, what? Psalms of ascent. Psalms to sing as they ascend to Jerusalem. Psalms like, I will lift up my eyes to the hills, that's where the temple in Jerusalem is, from where my help comes from, my help comes from the Lord. So you can see what they're actually looking at when they say that in Psalms. There's also another psalm that says, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go to the house of the Lord. These particular psalms were sung as they were going up to Jerusalem from this particular place. So, it was at this rest area outside Jericho that a blind beggar had positioned himself to ask for help. Guys, panhandlers are shrewd. They are as shrewd as real estate agents. They really are. They know that in order to have success, it comes down to this. Everybody say it. Location, location, location. You know, getting the best and the busiest intersection and having the right sign is what it really takes to be successful as a panhandler. They're shrewd. Look at your neighbor and say, they're shrewd. And like the story of Jimmy and Dan. You know, they're a couple of panhandlers. Every day, Dan goes home with a bag full of $10 bills from panhandling. He drives a BMW, his house is paid off, and he has lots of money to spend, this guy Dan. Well, Jimmy is out just as long as Dan, but he barely gets a few bucks a day. So one day, Jimmy complained to Dan, how come I can't haul in what you do in a day? And Dan asked Jimmy, well, what does your sign say? Jimmy said, I'm out of work 
with a wife and six kids to support. That's what my sign says. Dan said, no wonder you only get a few bucks here and there. He said, mine says, I only need another $10 to move to the next town. Huh? Now they're shrewd, these guys. Well, this blind guy knows that the people traveling to Jerusalem for Passover, he knows they have cash and they also have compassion because they're church people. So he is at the perfect street light. He is holding a cardboard sign that probably read, loan me some money and I'll pay you back the next time I see you. You'll get it. He's blind, right? All right. There we go. Aha! Now, he didn't say that. He didn't have a sign that said that. He was just waving his cup. And the noise of, of the crowd that was passing seemed unusual to the blind man. This isn't just a few families traveling together, you know, on their way to Jerusalem. This is an entourage. There is a VIP or a celebrity passing by. He can sense it by the energy of the people and the amount of people. So he inquired who was passing and was told, it's Jesus of Nazareth. Say it out loud. What? Jesus of Nazareth. Now, as the people fall into this particular rest area, they begin to sing the designated psalm of ascent but the blind man began to shout praises to Jesus, calling Him the Messiah. So the people are trying to sing one song, but he is shouting a completely other song. He was shouting a messianic title to Jesus. He was saying, Son of David. Now, Son of David is a title reserved for the Messiah. Everybody say, for who? The Savior. That term is equivalent to King of Kings and Lord of Lords. So as the people are trying to sing their psalm of ascent, he is saying, Son of David! Everybody say it out loud. What? Son of David, have mercy on me. The blind man was declaring, God isn't over there in Jerusalem, in the Jerusalem temple. He's right here walking with us. The blind man saw more than all of them. So the blind man didn't let anything weigh him down. I mean, he could have. He could have had a thousand excuses as to not call out to the Lord. I mean, he could have been sour because of his condition, like so many other people are. Angry, hostile, resentful, bitter. Or he could have wallowed in self-pity and depression looking for an escape in alcohol or prescription drugs or, or even suicide. But instead, this blind beggar called out to the helper and the healer. He chanted his vote. I believe, I acknowledge, I surrender. Son of David, have mercy on me. Let's say it out loud. Son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus' life changed history. 
When he came to earth, everything people knew shifted, and a new way of interacting with God began. Jesus shows you how to live, how to love, and how to devote yourself fully to sharing the truth of God's Word. As you continue to discover the details of your incredible Savior's life, we pray you long to be more like Him. Seek Him in all you do, and let Him change your heart to be more like His. We're so glad that you tuned in today for Pastor Dion's teaching in the book of Luke. We'd like to encourage you to spend even more time studying the Word, learning about Jesus' life in this and the other Gospel books. Ask the Holy Spirit to accompany you as you read, and point out the passages that He knows your heart needs to hear. We'd love to pray for you during this series as well, so please let us know how we can specifically be lifting you up to the Lord. Give us a call at 505-753-4363. That's 505-753-4363. Do you live in the Española area? If so, come visit us at Truth Ministries Calvary Chapel on Sundays and Wednesdays for a time of worship, Bible study, and fellowship. Find out more and get directions to the church by visiting tmcalvary.com. If you can't make it in person, we invite you to join us virtually through Facebook, where we live stream all of our services. Just follow the link to Facebook that you'll find at tmcalvary.com. Thanks for tuning in today, and join us again next time, right here on The Simple Truth. You're the one that we proclaim. We'll be fools for you as you work in us. May your power show in the deeds we sow. Let us join our hands, and together we stand. Together